for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development across our state. Hosted by me, Jeff Rent, and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. When you hear the term influencer, it often conjures up the image of a young person on social media traveling through exotic and interesting places or eating some delicious food photographed perfectly. However, our next guest is helping bring the term influencer back to its roots, meaning someone with the ability to inspire and guide the actions of others. With more than 20 years of experience in business, seven as a consultant, Cause Collaboration's Aaron Meadows has carefully watched and studied what makes organizations and the people in them succeed and what makes them struggle. Through her work with nonprofits and associations, healthcare companies, agencies, and community organizations, Erin has concluded that most successful organizations consistently work to keep four key areas in alignment, thoughtful strategy that ties to their mission and vision, clear, honest, and effective communication, both internally and externally, intentional team building that teaches people how to work effectively rather than assuming they will figure it out on their own, and accountable leadership who walk the talk and teach each other to do the same. With these four things in alignment, Aaron believes any organization can succeed. Please welcome Aaron Meadows to Mississippi Prospects. Thank you. So excited to have you here. And we had a chance to talk a little bit uh, last week about this topic. And it's one that I personally am pretty passionate about. So before we dive into talking about being an influencer and really what that means in this context... What you're really talking about to me is leadership. And in many businesses and organizations, this comes from management, but there's a difference between a manager and a leader. What are those major differences? You know, I think this is a conversation that's been going on for quite some time in business, and it's as relevant today as it's always been. To me, it really comes down to your style, what you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to get that accomplished. So, you know, we've heard that managers are tactical and leaders are visionary and we've heard all of those things. I I think there's a couple of things in my mind when I think of the differences between managers and leaders. I think that managers often can be all about the work. And that's actually a really good thing. We need managers. We need people who are all about the work, budget, timeline, scope. They can move people to get the work done. That's valuable. Leaders are all about the people. They are all about lighting that fire in the people to get them to do the work. So I actually think a manager can be about the work and still lead people. So it's it's a big conversation that we have. And I think managers have been getting a little bit of a bad rap in that conversation. <laughs> um, and, and it really is, you know, I think a lot of people think of management as this reward for climbing the ladder. And, and in part, it is. You've done the good work. You're really brilliant tactically. You've proven that you can work with teams and collaborate. What makes you a leader is once you've climbed that ladder, now you have an ability to build bridges. And that's just a bigger conversation. Really, you can be both. Mm-hmm. And there are people that succeed in both being a manager and a leader. Yes. And probably those are the more successful Absolutely. Uh, types of leaders that you have in an organization. So taking it a step further, leaders are often influential. What in this context makes someone influential? What mm-hmm. is the influencer? What are those qualities? This is something I think about all the time. 
whenever I'm asked how I can walk into an organization and navigate it pretty quickly, especially as a consultant coming into organizations where there's clearly some disconnects between people and we're trying to figure out how to get everyone in the same boat and get them rowing in the same direction. It really is less about management and leadership to me. And it's more about me showing up as an influencer. So the part of influence is it's an ability to inspire people, to get them to buy in, to connect to their why so that they want to move things forward. And that can get a little bit lost when you are in the hierarchy of an org chart and you're focusing on the next step. You're focusing on sitting at that leadership table. And I think the brilliant part of being an influencer is it doesn't require any control, any authority, or any title. Any person can be an influencer. Right now, today, we can all stand up from this table and walk out of this room, influencers. So it's open to anyone. And and I love that because that's so empowering to everybody, no matter where you're at in an organization. So it's not just the manager that we're talking about. It's the team members as well. Yeah. That they too can be influential and an influencer. Everybody's got a different style though. Mm -hmm. And how do you manage those different styles? Um, One of the top reasons that people leave a job is from a bad, and I'll use my air quotes here, manager. Absolutely. Um, But I... I've had to learn in my experience of building teams over the years that you have different personality types. Uh, Some people are very blunt and forward. Others are very sensitive to things. Uh, How do you navigate that as an influencer? I think first and foremost, it's hugely important as an influencer, a manager, a leader, and a human being to know who you are authentically and to know what values drive your behavior every day. When you know who you are, And you work on having the emotional intelligence to embrace that and show up as that every day, then you get to take it to the next level, which is flexing to meet people where they're at. So I think one of the best things I learned in my influencer journey is just because my values and what's important to me might be different in business. So what's important to me in business when I say values are things like freedom, service, collaboration. That's what's important to me. If I'm working with someone and that's not important to them, it doesn't mean I'm right and they're wrong. It means we need to have the emotional intelligence to flex and meet each other somewhere where we can do wonderful work and meet that mission together. Taking the time to learn also generational differences because we've got boomers, millennials, you know, Z's, Mm -hmm. everybody's in the workplace right now. And so everybody also, besides, uh, they all may possess the emotional intelligence, maybe the self-awareness, but it's still a challenge to communicate sometimes across generational lines. Is that a barrier? I don't think it's a barrier. I think it's an exciting challenge. And I I love this conversation around around different generations and particularly as a Gen Xer. And and what I love to think about as a Gen Xer is we as as a group tend to feel like we're left out. You know, the boomers won't retire. The millennials are taking all the opportunities. Here we are, the latchkey kids of the 70s, 80s, 90s, lost in the middle. What we actually are is the bridge. We remember fax machines and we know how to text. We remember laying things out with scotch tape and taking it to the copier. And we know how to use design software now. We're not the left out ones. We're right there in the middle as a bridge. I actually think Gen Xers are hugely powerful in this generational conversation and in organizations. We each generation has different values, different things that are important. 
and and I see this time and time again, and I, I just think this is such an important part of the conversation. Everyone can be a teacher and everyone can be a student. And that's not just in business, that's in life. So we shouldn't be pushing the boomers out of the door because they don't want to get on Slack and, and do Slack with us. And we shouldn't be discounting the brilliant millennials who, by the way, have created this influencer movement on social media and they are getting paid to do stuff the rest of us do for free in in large part. Or giving it away. Or giving it away. (laughs) Like I get on social media and give my ideas away for free every day. And there's these wonderful people out there that have monetized that for themselves. Everyone has a voice at this table. I think what happens as human beings is we get so mired in, in the muck of our own experience. And we walk in that room with the puffed up ego that we miss the beautiful little gems that every generation brings to the table. And when you're coming from an influencer point of view and you're not thinking about what's my next promotion, how do I gain more control and authority? When you're walking in that room and you're saying, how do I connect? You can be that bridge. And and so my generation is X. And I like to think of myself as that bridge between what we consider the dinosaur fax machine era and what we consider this new age, it's all relevant and we can all work inside of it. I often feel as a a fellow Gen Xer uh, that I'm an interpreter. Yes. So in my workplace, I have uh, millennial, Gen X and boomer. Mm -hmm. And I often find that I'm bridging, like you said, some of those, uh, the way that they communicate uh, and we've had to navigate how to interpret both sides. Um, It's it's been an interesting journey as what I, I've always called myself a reluctant manager. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My goal was never to manage, but yet I found myself in management positions uh, and clear communication. I know is really important. I want to get into some of the qualities mm-hmm. that we've discussed previously. Uh, the influencer qualities. Let's start with trust, because if you don't trust somebody I, and I know this from personal experience, I'm sure you can relate to it. You know, it's really hard to work and it's not an authentic exchange often if you don't have that trust built into that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, I think when when people do and you mentioned this earlier, when people think about the influencer conversation now, they might expect that I'm going to show up and talk to them about their digital strategy or what networking groups they should be in and how to increase the number of hands that they shake and babies that they kiss every day. And that's actually not what I believe to be the core. I think those are good tactics without the core of connection. It's all lost. And so to me, at the the very first jumping off point of connecting with someone is the ability to build trust. And I, and, and I'm talking about deep, meaningful connection. So without trust, you're absolutely right. We're never going to connect. I can't trust, I can't distrust you and connect with you. I can't distrust you and buy into what you're getting, wanting me to buy into. It's just not possible that this is where power, where, where control, the control and authority part of power comes in. So if you're my boss and I distrust you, I might do what you ask me to do, but you're not influencing me. That's, that's leaning on hierarchy and control and authority. If we're peers and I distrust you, I might smile in your face and go do what I, exactly what I want to do behind your back. So you've got to have trust at the core of trust. To me, it's all about authenticity. It is about exercising empathy, not just understanding what empathy is, but actually exercising it. I think empathy is a muscle we can we can actually build. Um, And then it's about integrity and it's about maintaining confidences. When you're wanting to be an influencer, you have to hit on those four areas to build trust or you won't connect. I have found in 
personal experience and my growth that when I worked for a manager, a leader who I trusted and I was asked to do A and B, I was tended to be inspired enough that I wanted to do A, B, C, and D. Absolutely. And what I didn't realize at the time is I was actually growing by doing that as well. And it was built on that relationship of trust. And I was also inspired. Yes. So important. You talk about empathy. So in the digital age, I think I personally feel we've lost our person to person connection, which fosters, you know, an empathetic response. You know, instead it's a text message or a post and it's hard. How do you grow empathy in the workplace and with even in your life today with personal relationships becoming so digitized? I think that this is so important today because we are completely disconnecting from each other at, at a human level. We're not sitting around tables like this and having conversations. And you're absolutely right. And these new tools that are coming out are, are very helpful, very valid for me it really comes down to it. And, and, and I also want to say it's really important to understand empathy because I think a lot of people confuse empathy and sympathy and just, you know, well, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm, ex, I'm looking at the experience you're having. Empathy is just simply understanding what it would be like to walk in someone else's shoes. That's it. Just to see things from the perspective they're seeing. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you have to buy into what they're saying. It just means you have to take that pause and look at their experience and try to understand what they're experiencing in the moment. So in the business world, one of the best ways you can exercise this muscle and to become more empathetic is to take the pause and to kind of take in the whole landscape of what's happening with this other person, where they're coming from, to ask open-ended questions, which you would, it's, you know, it's very hard to ask an open-ended question. That's, that's something you do have to practice. And then to really just acknowledge and validate the person. This is a this is kind of my connecting superpower. And once I understood what it looks like to actually acknowledge and validate and not fix them, not tell them they're right, not tell them a better way to do it, not tell them that what they just said enraged you, but to just acknowledge and invalid and validate what they're experiencing, instant connection. And connection is how you become an influencer. So it's uh, when someone says, I'm so frustrated. So-and-so just spoke over me in that meeting. It happens all the time. I, as the manager, don't have to go, you're right. They're the worst. What I can say is what I'm hearing is, is you, you were feeling very frustrated in that meeting and you weren't feeling heard. That's acknowledging the validating piece is to say, it makes sense that if you weren't feeling heard and you had an important message to share that you would feel frustrated and people, it's like giving water to a thirsty man. They want that because people don't do that. People don't do that in their lives. They don't acknowledge and validate. They fix or they tell people they're wrong or they just go, you're right. This is hugely important and it builds that empathy muscle because for me to acknowledge and validate you, I have to stop judging you and step into your shoes for a minute. I think people often would equate exhibiting empathetic uh, emotions or uh, being empathetic with a coworker or somebody else uh, makes them more vulnerable. Yes. Really, it seems empowering yes. to both sides. And it also goes back to what we were talking about previously, builds trust. Yes. Vulnerability is hugely important. I, I, 
If you've not heard empathy and vulnerability in the corporate space yet, buckle up. It's coming. It's already here. This is you, you as an organization can actually have empathy. You as an organization can actually be vulnerable and it can make you more powerful in turn. This is becoming a part of the conversation. I, I think Brene Brown, the wonderful researcher who talks about shame and courage and vulnerability, and she really connects it into the workplace. She, she brought up such a valid point. I was listening to her actually on a podcast. Every culture, every culture across the world was taught that vulnerability is not something that we should it, it do. And it makes sense when you go back to the beginning of, of humans on earth, if you were vulnerable, you'd get eaten by a saber tooth. You were prey. You were prey. And every culture says uh-uh, vulnerability is a no-no. And especially in the workplace, we're not supposed to be human at work. And that's very much embedded into the culture here in, in the United States. Do not, you check your human at the door when you come in. Don't have a human, raw, vulnerable moment. And if you do, good luck getting me to meet you with empathy because we're going to do the work. And what Brene Brown found in her research is vulnerability is courageous. It's actually at the core of courage. And when you're vulnerable, when you're empathetic, you're being vulnerable to someone else's experience. When you're vulnerable, looking for empathy, looking to be acknowledged and validated, it creates a human connection that increases influence. It makes, it strengthens your ability to get the work done. So the reason that vulnerability works is when you're not being vulnerable, you don't look authentic. People don't trust that because it feels fake. And so by trying to show up and never be vulnerable and be perfect, you're actually doing the exact opposite of what you want to do. It prevents you from connecting. There's also the flip side of it. I've worked with people who I would consider what I, uh, I call the overshares. Yes. And they give you everything. Yes. And uh, being in a position of management and leadership, that also was exhausting. I still took the time to listen, hear them out. And I think it helped them. But it also, uh, how do you, you have to set some boundaries on this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I found that to be a challenge because once you'd open the door, those boundaries had kind of been blown out and letting the horse, you know, had already been let out of the barn, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, How can you rein that in a little? Because again, we're talking about different personality types. Absolutely. This is very relevant to me because I have the type of personality where strangers will just sit down next to me and spill their guts to me. So (laughs) I actually have to protect my own space from, from that, or I go home exhausted every day. And the same thing with my team. And so I, I think there's some, some tips and tricks here. So one is it is a gift to allow someone to vent. It's an even bigger gift to allow them to vent, but expect them to have a solution after they do it. So anyone on my team can come to me and to vent. And a lot of times when it starts, I'll say, is this a venting session? Is this a problem solving session? I want to make, I'm show, I want to make sure I'm showing up in the exact way that you need me to show up. Then if we're venting, then the expectation is the next question I'm going to have after we get through the venting session is, you know, what are your thoughts on this? What, what do you think you're going to do to navigate this, to empower them to, to really start thinking about a solution so that they're not just coming in and dropping a problem and just ex- essentially just exchanging that, that negative energy off to me and going, well, I feel better now. Let me move on with my day. The next question is, 
let's, let's dig into this. What are some of your thoughts on this? How are you planning to proceed with this? What's another lens you could look at this uh, through? Um, How could you show up differently in that relationship? And that those are those open-ended empowering questions um, so that people know I'm a safe person to vent to, but I'm also not going to listen to the same thing over and over again without moving us toward a solution, because that's what we need to do, particularly in business. We do need to get to the solution. I was going to say, I mentioned this when we talked last week, that one of the things I look for when I have been fortunate enough to build a team are people with critical problem solving skills. So they can come tell me the problem, but they also tend to come to me with a solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, That means I don't really have to manage. Absolutely. I can be the leader still. And uh, it's wonderful to see that quality in people. And that's something I actively have looked for over the years, as opposed to somebody who may just be an expert in that field. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they don't possess the emotional intelligence to do it. They can still be an expert, but uh, that type of relationship for me and just my personal style can be exhausting. Want to go into communication. Sure. Uh, I think we're both probably uh, well-versed in this area, but for a leader and for an influencer, uh, what do you mean by communication? Mm -hmm. Uh, what, What all does that include? I think for an influencer, it's getting, becoming a master in the unmastered arts of communication. We're all really good at talking. We are all really good at talking about ourselves. People love to do that. That's, you know, and that's an old tip, an old trick. If you want someone to love you, ask them about themselves and don't tell them anything about yourself. And, and it, and it works because we're very comfortable telling our own story and being in our own experience influencers, they listen differently. And that's the first unmastered art. It's very ironic that the most important part of communication is the one we practiced, we practice the least and that's listening. And there's really, there's several levels of listening. So level zero is subjective. It's just, I'm listening to you and I'm listening through the lens of what does this mean for me? When do I get to talk about me? When do I get to tell my story? When do I get to tell you, you were wrong or how I would fix this problem for you? That's subjective. Then you move into objective listening, which means it's no longer about me. I'm truly listening to you, but I'm not going to ask you any open-ended empowering questions. I'm not going to dig any deeper. I'm just going to go, wow, that, 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 that sounds rough, but it sounds like you handled it. Okay. So we don't dig any deeper. Uh, then we move up into intuitive and this is where influencers and great leaders hang out. Intuitive listening is all about listening to the, what you're saying listening for what's not being said. That's the intuition part. Watching your facial expressions, your tone of voice, your body language. It's a full sensory experience. And this is how the most influential people navigate life is listening at this level. And then it couldn't get any worse than one until it does. And level zero is interrupting. And level uh, negative one is I'm on my phone going, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, wow. Tough day. Most people hang out at negative one, zero, one. Occasionally we pop up to two, which means, okay, get out of my office. The <laughs> most influential uh, people, the, the best leaders, they're at that intuitive level. They might not indulge every venting session, but boy, are they taking that in and they're processing that and they're using that to further guide and inspire you. The last area, or at least the four areas that we're focusing on, service and collaboration. Mm-hmm. A huge fan of collaboration because I also have learned and I've tried to do everything myself because I was a doer for so so long. I was a team member, not in a position of management. Uh, as looking back after this conversation, I think I was still a leader and an influencer. But um, 
learning to work with others really critically important in any workplace environment. Absolutely. And this is always such a fun conversation to have, particularly when you're talking to people who work with volunteers and work with boards or people who are in service oriented industries. I spent many, many years in that industry and this type of conversation usually would make me go as if I'm not in service constantly. Like, when do I get to turn my light off and not be in service of others and stop collaborating? And when is it going to be about me? But there's ways you can show up in service of others. There's ways you can collaborate with others. That doesn't necessarily mean you're doing all the work of other people. You have no boundaries. You're at the whims and decisions of everyone. It comes down to how you're showing up how you're showing up in that collaboration. Are you showing up using your head, thinking strategically, making connections, giving your influence away? That's a great way to grow your influences by saying, you know, I don't have this answer, but Bob over here is brilliant. Bob, could you lead lead us in this and maybe help us navigate these waters? All of a sudden, Bob's the influencer at the table and I look amazing because I handed some influence off to him. So now I'm the go-to person because if I don't, come to the table collaboratively with the skill and ability, you know, I'm emotionally intelligent enough to not let my ego get in the way. I'm going to show you who can do it. So there's your head part, you know, logically showing up with your heart, thinking empathetically, making sure that you are acting with integrity, that you're, you know, you're really kind of coming in from that vulnerable, empathetic human connection part so that you're not really brilliant strategically and just very cold and not understanding everyone else's experience in the collaboration. And then finally, your hands. No one likes the person that shows up for the kickoff meeting and to cut the cake at the end of the party and pat themselves on the back. (laughs) So great collaborators do get in the trenches. You know, you show up with your hands and that means you have to be reliable, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And you have to hold yourself accountable for how you show up, what you do and what you don't do and what you say and what you don't say. When I think about it, if you show up with your head, your heart and your hands, in a collaborate in a collaboration, you're going to knock it out of the park every time. It doesn't mean you concede all the time. It doesn't mean you're overburdened and overworked. It means you're showing up like an influencer. And it goes back to the old adage, uh, leading by example. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think with my teams, there's a few gifts and I didn't know these were gifts. There's a few gifts as an influencer leader that I gave my teams that stick with me to this day. The first gift was the gift of doing the work. My team always knows if they're drowning to come get me and I'm going to throw them a life raft, even if it means I'm in the trenches doing the work. I don't sit in my chair all day and spin around and think strategy. And, you know, I do, I, I get in there with them. They know they've got a life raft in me. I think the other one is having this exact conversation. This whole influencer uh, conversation for me began with one of my teams who just couldn't move the ball. They just, they were brilliant, but they, they, their colleagues weren't trusting them. They were nitpicking all of their work. And so we sat down and talked about how are we showing up as a team? And we shifted from control and authority of our domain to influence. Those are huge gifts. The gift of vulnerability as a leader and an influencer, that's another huge gift. You show up as a leader in a collaborative situation and you're vulnerable, they're going to flock to you because you're human. So there's little gifts you can give, whether you have a management leadership title or you're just another influencer in that collaboration. So how may someone who's listening uh, right now to this episode work on incorporating all these qualities we've discussed? And we've covered a lot today, but it's great information. But how can they begin to work on that personally to incorporate it into their own influencer style to better develop themselves as a leader and an influencer? 
The first step is to really practice that empathy. Just practice it. The the acknowledge and validating piece, you can't mess this up. So you acknowledge by just letting the person know you heard what they said, mirroring, parroting. These are words we've heard. You validate by letting them know the emotion they're feeling in the moment is understandable. You cannot screw this up. You cannot, you will not break humans if you do this. Humans will survive your acknowledging and validating. Go out there and do it for everyone. You'll actually find that sometimes it's overwhelming how much people connect with you when you do that. That empathy piece is hugely important. So when you can look at other people and you can say, take it all in. Well, this is what's going on for them in this meeting. This is what's going on for them in the organization. Take it a step further. I know this is what's going on in their life because they've actually been vulnerable and shared it with me. That's really important. The second thing you can do right now today is start getting really a good understanding of who you are authentically. Really get tapping into your core values as a human being. Those values are the GPS system for that it drives your behaviors every day. And, you know, I have, and I'm happy to share it with you, I have a very free, don't even have to give me your email. This is not a sales trick core values workbook on my website. And it will walk you through in about 45 minutes and narrow you down to probably what's your top five core values. When you know what those are and you authentically show up with those and you're acting empathetically, you're going to connect and build trust. Then you get to add on and practice the art of intuitive listening, practice having difficult conversations, practice integrity and and all of those other things. But you need to start with your own authenticity and your ability to empathize. So, Aaron, if somebody wants to learn more about what we've talked about today or learn more about your services, how can they find you? You can find me at causecollaboration.com. And if you want to download the free uh, core values workbook, you can find that at causecollaboration.com slash core values. Authentically taking us from leadership to influencer, Aaron Meadows on Mississippi Prospects. Thanks. Thank you. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by MWB Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.